0: Ed, welcome back. I'm Ronald Lesco, and I have a very special guest with us right now uh He's someone i've I've played on my radio show for for a number of years now since I first met him. Oh gosh, maybe 10 years ago at the Northeast Regional Folk Alliance? Yeah,
1: longer than that, maybe.
0: It could be. Uh, yeah. he, he's been recording for over 15 years, uh, and he was named by a, one of my good friends, Rich Warren, who was a longtime host of the Midnight Special in Chicago. Um, he called Ben one of the 50 most significant folk singer songwriters of the past 50 years. And his list also included people like Bob Dylan, Towns Van Zandt, and Joni Mitchell, and, and, and a number of others. In 2018, he was named one of the six Grassy Hill Kerrville Folk, New Folk winners at the Kerrville Folk Festival. He's toured extensively throughout North America and Western Europe. And earlier this year, he released an album, his sixth studio album. It's called Valley of Stars. And I'm so happy he could join us today from, uh, I guess, it's your home in Illinois. Is that correct?
2: Well, I do live in in Austin, Texas at the moment.
0: Ah, very nice.
2: <laughs> yeah, I, I'm at my uh, my girlfriend's house um, here in Austin, which feels quite tropical compared to Illinois.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I, I guess you picked a good time in the middle of winter to get to little warmer climates, right? Yeah, uh, not bad. Well, uh, I'm so glad you could be with us today because I, I've been playing this album since it came out in January, and I am... I'm really impressed by it. Uh, it's it's a concept album, uh, a little bit different from some of your your previous ones, but you know, still your uh, brilliant songwriting and storytelling and and guitar work, which I want to talk about as well today. Uh, but but how, how did how did this album come to be? What was the uh, inspiration for this?
2: Yeah, uh, well, originally I. I actually found a book in a local bookstore in Springfield, Illinois, bookst- one of my favorite bookstores actually, um, called Prairie Archives. Um, and the book that I found was called uh, General History of Quadrupeds. Um, and it, it was originally published in, um, in 1790 in London, but it's basically a zoological book. And I picked it up, I think it was 2019 when I picked the book up. Um, I picked it up originally to just sort of be a... Um, a songwriting exercise book. So I'd flip to, you know, whatever page in the book and it would be an entry on, let's say, you know, an elephant or, um, an entry on, um, uh, a short-eared bat. I think that's an actual species. Um, (laughs) and I would write, I would just write a, you know, uh, try to write a song about whatever the entry might be. And, um, just to sort of get the creative, my creative brain going. Um, and I found it so enjoyable, uh, that I ended up writing a bunch. And, and obviously, um, uh, as we all know, the pandemic and the lockdown, um, happened in, in March of 2020, um, shortly after I had acquired the book. And, um, so I found myself with lots of time on my hands and, uh, Yeah. And I just really enjoyed, I enjoyed the sort of, um, playfulness that I was sort of, um, uh, the the, the sort of playfulness that these entries allowed me, I I found a certain freedom in writing about these animal characters, um, that I didn't really find writing about human characters, I guess. Mm -hmm. Um, so it felt sort of freeing uh, artistically to to wake up and write a song about a a badger. And as you know, like half of the half of the tunes on the album are instrumental pieces. So you know, in a more sort of nebulous fashion, uh, you know, I might write a song about. Um, uh, to take an example of one that didn't end up on the album, but um, I wrote a tune called "Dance of the Red Squirrels," and um, you know, I was just sort of envisioning these red squirrels, you know, hopping and and, uh, scurrying around the forest floor, gathering acorns and stowing them away. And, you know, more of a, just sort of a conceptual thing in my head about what would a, what would a little instrumental ditty about uh, frenetic red squirrels sound like? (laughs) Um, And that's sort of, you know, the way I approached most of the tunes really um, was just from a, a sort of, what would this animal sound like musically Um, and that's how it started anyway. So, so when the pandemic hit, I had all of these um, uh, or I, I I had all of this time. And so I just got up and and wrote, you know, all of these little pieces and and I ended up having about 30, 30 of them. Um, And when it came time to record the album, At first, I thought I would I would do like, you know, I had delusions of grandeur, I suppose. And I thought that I would uh, do a double album or maybe even a a triple album because I had so many, so many pieces. And I liked I liked a lot of them and in in their own way. But I quickly realized that uh, doing that was sort of cost prohibitive. (laughs) Um, So that's what sort of then actually. I'm quite grateful that it did force me to look at the at the songs and the tunes more critically. Um, And that's when I sort of found the the story arc that ended up being what the album is. Um, I realized that I I had sort of um, maybe unfairly uh, focused on the hair, uh, for whatever reason. And um, I realized that a lot of the tunes were even if they might have been about uh, another animal, um, I was sort of looking through the lens of the hare's eyes um, when I wrote it. Um, and that's how the album sort of, on the most basic level, materialized anyway. Mm-hmm. Sort of, the songs that were hair centric, um, H A R E, for the <laughs> listener, not like hair on your <laughs> head. Um, but uh, they the hair and I took the songs that were sort of hair centric and and turned that into the album. Um, and yeah, it's an album yeah. about hair, hair sort of going out into the world and exploring. and
0: It, it, you know, it really works really, well. It, it, it kind of, you know, it's fitting because you mentioned this, and this came up through the, uh, the pandemic because you know, there are different pieces that are about joy, about grief, about connecting with one another, about isolation, and it, it's. Um, you know, I know I'm on radio. I can only play a couple of songs here and there, but this is really an album where people need to kind of sit through the first cut, right through the last. And I, I'd like to start to, to play something from this. Uh, why do we start with the first track, um, a song called "Leaping"? Would you like to introduce that? Yeah, the
2: the song "Leaping" really kind of sets up the the concept of the album it's you know um hair is looking out at the world from his little hilltop and he's uh decided that he's going to go out and um quote unquote find his friends uh, out there in the world and and sort of explore and uh yeah just a little background too um we kind of mentioned this before we, we started the the actual interview but Besides the pandemic itself, I I was going through a divorce um, at the time, and hair really um, in my head I think became a sort of um, uh, a sort of stand-in for for me personally. Although I couldn't go out because Illinois was locked down, I could send hair out into the world, so to speak, um, in my stead. And that's kind of what the song, how the song, uh, and how the album starts out is hair going out into the world.
1: On the hill over Daffodil blow the star fields through the very air I'm going to find my friends I know them by their open door and light, light with them The shadow moon, resin-scented blue A single thrush sings Looping through the pines And the crooked branches bend Looking for that open door and light
0: And that was the song "Leaping." This cut that begins this wonderful new album, "Valley of Stars," with Ben Bedford, who is our guest today here on Traditions. Um, ben, this—it's uh, a—it's a personal album. You were mentioning, you know, some of the issues that you were going through, but yet, you know, I think it's something that all of us can relate to in, in one form or another. Um, you know, going through the pandemic, uh, I think a lot of these pieces, uh, you know, really. Really touch all of us, and I think that's why this this album is getting a lot of airplay around the country. Which uh, I know you're responsible for. You're doing your own radio promotion as well as <laughs> recording. You've got some some gigs coming up, and uh, you're kind of a, a one stop shop here for all of this.
2: Yeah, which has been um, doing my own radio promotion. Has been, it's been the first time I've done my own radio promotion, and um, I'm I'm really quite enjoying it. Um, I'm I'm feeling a little more connected to uh, like to you, Ron. Um, yeah. You know, able to directly um, directly be in contact with with the DJs out there, which is has been really enjoyable. Mm-hmm. So yeah,
0: we're glad you're doing this because uh, I think it's a, as I said, it's a, it's a much needed album for, the, for these times. Um, you know, because you were going through a lot of this, and I, I think you've expressed a lot of your feelings in your song. Is it hard for a songwriter to, you know, to kind of, I hate to call it a therapy session, but in, in some response, in some ways, writing songs like this helps you work through issues that you're going through. Um, but is it difficult to perform this in, in front of other people?
2: Uh, good question. For me, it's, n- it's not uh, difficult to perform these pieces. I, um, which, you know, it's fun because, yeah I did really find the composition of the album to be therapeutic um, but yeah for whatever reason maybe I was uh, because I was able to um, sort of get some of that energy out in the composition um, stage um, I don't know maybe um, maybe that's why they're not they're not difficult for me to, to perform no I mean I mm-hmm. do definitely Definitely feel, um, you know, I can definitely feel, especially in a song, for example, like uh, "Leopard and Hare Like I was very, um, very, very sad, um, um, and uh, feeling pretty bleak when I wrote that song. But um, yeah, maybe there's enough distance between the sort of the writing of it and and now the performing of it that it you know it feels okay. But that's mm-hmm. yeah, that's a good question.
0: I can imagine yeah. also that after you write these songs and instrumental pieces, you kind of sit back and look at what you've created, and uh, maybe reexamine uh, your your own situation and and what led you to write these songs. Did, did you ever go back and and change it because well maybe I put a little too much out there.
2: Um. Yeah. That's. Uh. I've never gone back and edited a song. Uh songs content because i felt like i was uh, throwing too much out there and, and i was too vulnerable but i but i have definitely gone back and edited and removed stuff or added stuff in for uh, you know a myriad of other reasons um you know uh, usually it's just like i don't think it's very good <laughs> like oh i thought that was great when i wrote I've slept on it for a few weeks and I've listened back to it and I'm like, Oh, that's just, you know, isn't conveying what I thought I was going to convey. Um, but yeah, I've never, I've never edited, um, from a place really. I mean, there are, I should say that I've never done that cause I've definitely written songs where I felt like the song itself, I was maybe just too raw or full. Um, just not actually even, you know, recorded the song or whatever, but, right. um, all the songs that are on here, um, none of them were edited um, f- for vulnerability reasons, I guess I, I should say. But, um, but yeah, songs are funny because you know you do you sit down and you write something, and you, you might be thinking something very specific um, as you write it. And then as time passes and you get certain experiences or whatever, the song can definitely change. In my in my own brain like the way that i look at the song um, and the, what the song means to me can definitely definitely change
0: yeah it's it's interesting also for the instrumental pieces which are just stunning as i, I listen to this um, and i know some artists would say okay I'm gonna just do my instrumental album now and i'll do my songs on another album but you know you've woven this all together in, in such a such a way it's uh it, it's it's really a musical journey but you know, writing the instrumental pieces, I, I guess you have to get yourself into a certain headspace when, when you write this. Uh, how do you do that? I mean, cause you know, as I, I look at some of the descriptions in your, your liner notes, um, you know, it really conveys uh, the story that you're, you're trying to tell. It's not easy to do one with just a guitar.
2: Oh, well, thank you. I, well, I'm, I'm glad that, it, um, that it comes across. Um, yeah. With, a, with writing the instrumentals um, it is a, I do get into a slightly different space, certainly than when I am writing songs. But that said, I also feel like um, I, I write by instrumentals very much from a sort of um, I write instrumentals, I think, like a songwriter as opposed mm-hmm. to like a uh, quote unquote guitarist, if you will, whatever that means. Um, like I very much feel like I approach the instrumentals um, similarly to how I approach songs in terms of how I I want the the to to move so you can the the arc that I sort of want it to have um, you know probably uh, you know probably they sound like the way they do. Um, in large part, probably because of the sort of musical limitations that that I have, which um, you know, for better or for worse, are, are there. But um, sort of working within working within that, um, you know, I guess we all work within our own limitations, no matter what we're doing. But um, that's what sort of makes us individual uh, individuals? Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, it's it's an interesting thing. I'd have a hard time describing exactly what the headspace is that that I inhabit when writing an instrumental. But I am definitely going by feel.
0: I, I, uh, you, you say limitations. I uh, I think you're being a little hard on yourself there because I think you are a, oh. a, a brilliant guitarist. <laughs> what is your training in in, in music? Uh, I, when did you start to first pick up the guitar? Did you Come from a musical family?
2: No, I don't come from a musical family. Interestingly, I I started playing the guitar when I was um, 14. Um, One of my friends played the guitar and I just thought it was so cool, like watching him play. So I decided to um, to, that I wanted to start playing it. And so I started taking lessons actually from um, from the same teacher that he was taking lessons from. Um, Her name was Pauline Cormier, and primarily she taught from a sort of classical, um, uh, she taught more of a classical way. Um, She was a classical guitarist. And so I I took lessons from her for about uh, two and a half years, um, playing a lot of classical stuff like um, Fernando Sor and um, Bach and um other stuff like that um that's sort of the original i guess basis of my guitar playing but um by the time i was about you know 16 or 17 i wanted to play i wanted to get an electric guitar and um, i didn't want to uh really play classical stuff anymore so i sort of branched off from there but i still feel like that that foundation that that pauline gave me um really informs a lot of what I still do um, today. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, I sort of branched out from there. I mean, you know, um, I learned how to finger pick. Um, I mean, because a lot of the classical stuff, you know, you're you're doing, um, it's finger style stuff when you're playing classical guitar. Um, But I then, you know, later learned how to play um, more sort of traditional folk, picking patterns and stuff like that and so you know my approach is kind of a blend of those things I also love like guitarists like um um like John Renborn who uh are sort of straddle that that line between sort of folk and and classical guitar right
0: it, did the uh, songwriting was was that influenced by the guitar I mean what what did you pick up first I mean, because you have such a way with lyrics uh, and, and the poetry and, and storytelling um were you writing words before you were picking up the guitar or vice versa
2: I was I can actually I remember um when I was really little um I used to uh, dictate, stories to my mom that she would uh she would write down and usually they were like um adventure stories that my stuffed animals were um going upon <laughs> so um you know, yeah so and i still have some of those um tucked away in in like uh you know uh boxes in the in the attic or the or, or wherever they might be probably at my parents house but um yeah these little like uh Dictated stories, and that was before I could actually. I was dictating them because I, I that was before I could actually, um, actually write or read myself. So I was probably three, or, you know, three or four years old. Um, well,
0: you, you've you've written some great songs, what 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 what, what were your inspirations in uh, in your in your songwriting? I mean, you mentioned John Renborn before, but uh, were there other artists that uh, influenced you?
2: Oh, for sure. I mean, musically speaking, I went through like when I. When I was like in junior high I was huge uh, I still am a huge Beatles fan Um, and uh, so I almost look at in some ways my music tastes kind of uh, spider web out from from the Beatles Um, after I went through my sort of like I I only listened to the Beatles phase of my life uh, I started listening to a lot more sort of uh, classic rock kind of stuff from like the late sixties, early seventies. And then I got into blues, um, and blues guitar. And from there I got, somehow I wound up getting into more singer song stuff. Like, um, first my mom's a big Gordon Lightfoot fan. So I started listening to Gordon Lightfoot. Um, and I really loved and still love Gordon Lightfoot's music. And from there I went, and got into like Guy Clark and Towns Van Zandt and John Prine and, um, Patty Griffin, Richard Schindel, uh, people like, people like that. Um, and I think that's when, maybe when I started listening to like Townes and Guy, that sort of period, which would have been around like early 2000, 2001, 2002, somewhere in there. Um, that's when I sort of had the revelation that you could be a um, a one man singer songwriter with a guitar and um, and and tell stories with with the instrument uh, beyond just um, uh, you know what you would hear on the radio maybe.
0: Well, I, I'd just like to, to play another song now. Uh, from this is we're, we're talking with Ben Bedford today about his new album "Valley of Stars," and uh, there's an upbeat song on the on the CD called "Murmurations." Uh, would you like to introduce this one for us?
2: Sure. Uh, so this is um, so the the storyline starts with Hare kind of looking out from his hilltop and and um, going off on his little adventure, and this is the part of the adventure where he has after he has encountered a pack of wolves, he's sort of run away and he's sort of feeling, um, he's feeling relatively elated and he's running beside a beautiful, uh, river. And, um, he just sort of feels, he feels especially alive and, um, he's just sort of super present and noticing everything like the, the, um, the bees and the trees and the flowers and, uh, yeah, I just sort of wanted to convey that uh, that, that elated feeling. And the title comes from um, like a group of, of starlings, um, if I'm not terribly mistaken, it's called a, a murmuration, excuse me, of starlings. And um, I got kind of fascinated with starlings after um, reading a book about um, Mozart and a pet starling that he apparently had in the 1790s. Oh, um, wow. Yeah. And that's another story altogether, but that um, got me interested in, in starlings, which um, are quite fascinating, fascinating birds. Obviously, they're, they're technically an invasive species in the United States, but um, fascinating nonetheless.
1: In the sunshine, take all the time that I need. There's no reason to ask why. The dance of the yellow star sounds like murmuring bees.
0: That was "Murmurations." Ben Bedford from his new album "Valley of Stars," and, and Ben is with us today. Ben, you were you were you were talking before we we heard the song about uh, uh, some of the inspiration for it about a group of starlings, which uh, is called "Murmurations." Um, animals, obviously, the hare is kind of the central figure on this new album, and. There's also some lovely drawings. Uh, the album cover itself is, a, is a, a, a hair that you. I assume that you created the artwork for, as you've done on, on previous album covers. And I've seen on your website some of your drawings of other animals and such that, that, that you do. Um, I, I guess that's a whole nother facet. We could probably do a whole another hour with you talking about your artwork. But it, how did that part of your, your life come to be?
2: Well, first of all, thanks for the kind the kind words. Yeah, I did do the I did do the artwork for the album, um, and I've always been somebody who uh, loves to draw, especially draw paint as well, but especially draw. Um, um, when I was a little kid, I always had like a sketchbook with me, and I was always drawing mostly stuff from my head, um, not so much stuff from what I would see, but mostly stuff from my head, but. Um, I always just love to draw. And, um, and my mom, my mom's an artist, and my aunt is an artist. So I kind of came by, um, I guess you, you asked earlier, if, if I came from a musical family, which I, I don't come from a musical family so much as um, sort of a, a family of visual artists. Um, and so that's just, I guess, came naturally um, to me, mm-hmm. in a way.
0: I, I assume that, uh, your, your family really encouraged you in, in all of these directions, art and music, um, and, and exploring your creativity. Uh, I, I guess that's something that's obviously very important to that made you what you are.
2: Yeah. My parents, uh, especially have always been super encouraging. I can say without a doubt that they are, uh, my, my biggest fan and, uh, yeah, which is kind of, you know, um, I'm incredibly grateful for them and all the the love and support, encouragement that they've given me over the years. Um, really, I can't I can't say it enough how how supportive they mm-hmm. have been. Um, and so yeah, you know, um, over the years they have definitely um, helped to keep me going in various in various ways. Uh, Uh, But yeah, they also um, I can say my mom, I guess, understands things from from an artistic perspective, whereas my dad's not. um, My dad is is uh, definitely more of a left brained individual and more of a mathematical uh, mathematically inclined person, but is a great lover of art and music. Um, So while not maybe necessarily understanding the art, the artistic side from the inside. He definitely understands it from the perspective of just like, you know, appreciating it. Um, sure. So, yeah.
0: Well, it, it's good. You have that support system. Cause, uh, I know it's not an easy life being a singer songwriter, especially after the pandemic and, uh, try to get gigs, trying to sell albums in a, in a years when CD sales have dropped so dramatically. It, it's, it's a tough road. Or are you, are you still glad that this is the route that you're pursuing?
2: I am. Yeah. Um, it has been, you know, yeah, it's definitely been, uh, it's been strange the last few years, undoubtedly. I know it's been strange for everybody, but I am I'm really glad actually that this is the path that I chose and the path that I'm still on. And I, I feel really, uh, you know, I felt this way at various times over over the last 15 or so years of, of, of my career doing this, but I've, I feel like I've felt this way more lately. Uh, I had this, just this overwhelming feeling of, of, I guess you just call it joy at being able mm. to do what, what I do. I, I can't really explain it. Uh, maybe articulate it all that well, but I just feel an, an overwhelming sense of, of joy and, and, um, happiness doing what I do. And I'm extremely grateful to be able to do it. Um, so no. it's always nice when that feeling sort of <laughs> comes over <to> me. <laughs>
0: sure. Well, we're we're grateful if- that you're doing what you're doing because uh, you've you've given us some wonderful music over the years, and this new album. Uh, Valley of Stars, it really, really adds a lot. I want, I want to play another piece from here. Uh, speaking of joy, I, 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 we, before we did the interview, I asked you for a couple songs that you would like to talk about. It. And I was so glad you picked this, because this is one of my my favorite cuts on the album, too. It's a piece called In the Court of the Bear.
2: That that one was, uh, it was sort of a little, like, just guitar figure that i had been messing around with for a while and um and i think one day i just kind of had the epiphany that um oh this is kind of like i don't know like maybe i can go somewhere with this and um yeah it was just kind of a you know started as a, a little guitar exercise and um and blossomed into into the the tune that it is, and it just felt like to me. It felt like uh, a sort of courtly. Um, I just had this vision of this like sort of regal figure on this like, like you know forest throne, and it should be a, a bear. It felt like a bear to me. I don't
1: know.
0: And that was In the Court of the Bear, an instrumental from the new album Valley of Stars from Ben Bedford. And uh, Ben is with us today as we, we talk about this wonderful album, which is a little journey, a story about a hare that uh, goes into the Valley of Stars to to meet his friends. And uh, it's, a, it's really a journey that takes us through joy and grief and uh, uh, I think it's really sort of an allegory for what, what what we've been going through the last couple of years since the pandemic. Um, Valley of Stars, yep. where did that title come from? What is the Valley of Stars?
2: Valley of Stars in my head is just is sort of just another way to to say Earth. Um, yeah, it kind of represents Earth. Um, I, for quite a few years now, I've been really just I've been fascinated. I think I've always been fascinated with the sky uh, and in uh, its many different forms, whether it be like, you know, the daytime sky or the nighttime mm-hmm. sky where you can see the stars, etc., cetera, um, and, and the moon. But the sky has always just fascinated me. And, and I think probably if you went back and, and looked through um, my lyrics over the years, I, I would wager to bet that um, that some sort of, um, sky imagery appears over and over and over again, over again. Um, and so it, it felt like an appropriate title because in spite of the fact that, um, you know, the, all of the action of the the album takes place, you know, on earth, so to speak, um, in this valley of stars, always, I guess, uh, under this dome of of the sky, um, so I wanted to kind of have a title that was both relatively simple. Because I, I I thought about other various other titles that I could um, that I could name the album, and they always in my head kind of ended up seeming too wordy or too complicated or whatever. Um, and a lot of the songs are you know wordy or complicated enough on their own so i wanted to have a simple title um that sort of conveyed um that connection between the the earth and the sky i guess Mm um i'm obsessed with the sky
0: Right. <laughs> well, I'm I'm obsessed with this album. I know it's only March, but I, I could see this album being on a lot of best of 2023 uh, <laughs> list at the end of the year. Uh, ben, I, I'm so glad you've been able to, to be with us today to talk about this album. Uh, and I know you're, you've you got some concerts coming up. You're doing some album releases and then you've got some touring coming up. Um, I know we have listeners who are listening on the Internet, and maybe in parts of the country that uh, you're going to be appearing. When, when, when is the album release going to be?
2: yeah thank you for mentioning that the official album release concert is in st louis at the focal point um on march 18th um which is a saturday evening so that's coming up um i guess uh today being march 1st uh, you know not too far away so march 18th at the focal point in st louis is the official release concert um and then i'm doing quite a few shows In April, um, with my girlfriend, Vanessa Lively, um, and we're doing a a number of shows in Texas, sort of in the central Texas area around Austin. Um, and then we're also, she and I are also doing a tour in June, which is sort of at the moment being, um, finalized, um, we'll be going to, uh, Missouri and Kansas and, um, uh, I think Nebraska and Colorado and New Mexico. Um, wow. So, yeah, and and I always tell people my my website is far more reliable than I am when it comes to where I'm supposed to be at, at any given time. So the dates are the dates if they're not there now. Um, any dates will continue to appear on on my website.
0: And, and your website but, is. Yeah.
2: My website is benbedford.com.
0: Great. Well, I hope our, our listeners will check it out. Uh, not only can they find information about this album, Valley of Stars, and, and your previous five studio albums, but also your artwork and uh, your tour list, and who knows what else you're going to put up on that website because you're, you're such a creative person. And, uh, you know, we're looking forward to so much more. And I, I do hope that when you're touring, one of these days you get back east again. Uh, it's been a while since you've been been out in our neck of the woods, and uh, we we would love to see you perform around here.
2: I would love to to get back out the, that way, so I will. Yeah, I'll keep you posted on that.
0: Oh, excellent. Well, listen, Ben, thanks so much for spending some time with us today, and uh, we're going to end with another little tune, the tune that actually ends the uh, CD. So we've sort of come full circle, but. There are so many other cuts here that I'm sure we'll be playing in the weeks to come on this show. Um, the last piece was called "In the Shelter of the Indomitable Mama Badger." Um, what, what what made you choose this piece to end the yeah. uh, the recording?
2: This is sort of the uh, the the point at which uh, Hare finds a uh, a peaceful and safe safe place. So it just felt like um, you know uh, a good place to to conclude. Hair, uh, he lands at the end and he's in a safe spot. Um, she invites him in for tea, maybe, and, uh, and dinner and gives him a safe place to sleep. And, um, you know, it just felt like a, a good place to conclude the album. And I've always just, I've loved Badgers as sort of a, they just seem like a, a, a fierce and, and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, of course I'm extrapolating here, but a loyal creature so <laughs> right
0: <laughs> well it, it, it's a beautiful piece to end the uh, the album and yeah. uh it's a nice place for us to end our little visit today ben bedford i thank you so much for being here and i thank you so much for recording this album and uh you know i hope we get to see you back north some someday soon and uh, we look forward to, to many more wonderful recordings uh and albums and songs from you so th- thanks for being with us today
2: uh thank you ron it's It's been a pleasure. Thanks for having
0: me. My pleasure. And now let's take a listen to In the Shelter of the Indomitable Mama Badger from Ben Bedford, new album, Valley of Stars.